The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of love. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio listenership across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions about service and ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Particularly on this sun-dappled day, we welcome to our annual Boston University Baccalaureate service in leadership here in the chancel, our president, Dr. Robert A. Brown, our provost and chief academic officer, Dr. Jean Morrison, our chaplains, the Reverend John McLaughlin and Brother Larry Whitney, and our Marsh associate, Bethany Kotlar. We welcome them to this day of worship. At Boston University today, we are celebrating and we are mourning. That is, together we are mourning the loss of four community members, fine students in the last three weeks, and we remember them today, and particularly their family, parents, and friends. We grieve their loss, we remember their lives, we honor their gifts. Likewise, we strive to become a community that is faithful and addressable, so that over time together we learn step by step to face loss with love, to face grief with grace, to face disappointment with honesty, and to face death with dignity. In one hand, we hold a sense of mourning. On the other hand, we hold a sense of celebration on this one fine day. Many thousands of young people come to a point of completion achievement and so commencement that is a new beginning and they are attired with different robes and different hats to signify the opening of a new life and of a different life with their grandparents, with their parents and with their friends. We celebrate this new beginning. This is a day of new beginnings. Time to remember and move on. This is a day to celebrate what love is bringing, laying to rest the pain that is gone. So today, in one hand we hold mourning, and in the other we hold celebration. As the Apostle said in Romans 12, 15, we have learned how to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. On this day, as we are able, may we stand together in the praise of God.
Let us pray. God of wisdom and understanding, grant that as we celebrate the accomplishments of this class of graduates from Boston University, we may remember with gratitude those who have raised, nurtured, taught, and fostered them, that we may be inspired to employ the knowledge with compassion and to temper justice with mercy. To God be the glory. Amen. A lesson from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The word of the Lord.
A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and 9 through 13. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, Extend hospitality to strangers. The word of the Lord. seated. Well, beloved, it is our privilege and our honor. It is our happy uh, moment of introduction today to welcome as our speaker this morning, the Honorable Sandra L. Lynch. The Honorable Sandra L. Lynch, the daughter of a career Army intelligence officer, lived overseas during much of her childhood before attending high school in Dallas. She is a graduate of Wellesley College and the Boston University School of Law. 
She became Chief Judge of the United States Court of Appeals for the First Circuit in 2008. Judge Lynch was the first woman to be appointed to that court in 1995 after Justice Stephen Breyer was named to the Supreme Court. She is also the chair of the First Circuit Judicial Council and a member of the Judicial Conference of the United States, which sets policy for the federal courts. The New York Times reported that Judge Lynch's opinions were among the most cited federal court of appeals decisions. After law school, she became the first female law clerk in the U.S. District Court for Rhode Island and later was the first woman to serve as the head of the litigation department in the prestigious Boston firm of Foley, Hogan, Elliott, handling numerous complex litigations as well as pro bono cases. She also has served as an assistant attorney general for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and general counsel to the Massachusetts Department of Education, where she worked on the Boston school desegregation case and implemented the state's gender equity and special needs statutes. A former president of the Boston Bar Association, she successfully promoted state court reform and accountability legislation. Judge Lynch was instrumental in the creation of public outreach programs at the federal court, including an education project for elementary, middle, and high school students. She has also been active in the American Bar Association and has won numerous awards in recognition of her contributions. On this baccalaureate Sunday, will you join me in extending to our guest a warm Boston University Marsh Chapel greeting? Thank you, Anne Dean Hill, for the warmth of that greeting. As he said, I feel like I'm among family this morning. You know, it's clear that Boston University has thrived under President Brown's leadership. Among his other attributes, I can tell you he's a hard man to say no to. <laughs> after, after I had accepted with pleasure his invitation to receive an honorary degree, only then did he tell me that he would like me to give this baccalaureate address. So I feel a bit like those wandering medieval minstrels or even little Tommy Tucker from the nursery rhyme who had to sing first before having supper. But my, what a glorious supper, what a glorious feast this is, one filled with joy and pride and hope and expectations. This morning's service envelops you in the spiritual realm. Later today, you honor people of great distinction from technology, commerce, the arts, sciences, and military service. I want to speak of a different realm, the civil realm, the realm of citizenship, of love of country, and of your government. One of the greatest fortunes of your lives is that you are participants in our American democracy with its independent judiciary and its system of justice. Our democracy is built on both the checks and balances structure of the three branches of government 
and on the Constitution and its Bill of Rights, which limit government. The executive and legislative branches are meant to reflect the political will of the voters. In the judicial branch, unlike the other two branches, we judges take an oath of impartiality, not to be partisan. The oath we take says we will do our jobs without fear or favor. This system is the envy of the entire world. Your counterparts elsewhere in the world, in Syria, in the Arab Spring, in Russia, in Iran, in China, in Chile, to give just a few examples, have put their lives at risk to achieve what you have. Dr. Martin Luther King said, there is nothing in the world greater than freedom. In this country, we have one secular document which is a sacred text. It is the United States Constitution. And under that, you enjoy considerable freedoms, including the freedom of academic inquiry here at Boston University. You have the freedom to worship your own religion and not be forced to attend to another. You enjoy freedom from arbitrary police and government action. But most significantly, you have the ability to change your government and to change your country. You enjoy freedom of speech, of association, and the benefits of a free press. You have the ability to vote, the ability to communicate your views, and to challenge and change a government you do not like. You have the ability to make laws and to change laws, and to do so in order to face the problems your generation sees. Now, all of these freedoms are important human values in their own right, and they are worth preserving. But as Justice Sandra Day O'Connor has said, our constitutional values are not embedded in the human gene code. Indeed, far from it. They must be taught and valued and used, lest they be lost. Our system of government has worked remarkably well for over two centuries. It has gotten our country through profound problems, and it has changed who we are and done so for the better. My own life experiences tell me this is true, and it will be true for you. When I came to BU, the country was rocked by unrest. The problems were so difficult, my generation wondered if we would survive. It was the era of the possibility of nuclear annihilation, of the civil rights movement, of the women's movement, and the anti-war movement. Blatant race and gender discrimination were prevalent. Extreme inequities in access to opportunity had led to demonstrations, riots, the burning of neighborhoods, and clashes with police. There was the killing of students at Kent State, and this campus was torn by dissent and student strikes. 
During this time and in the streets of the civilized city of Boston, I was tear gassed while marching to protest the war in Vietnam. And memorably, I was called foul names by ugly crowds when I marched with people of color in favor of civil rights. Indeed, I wondered if I would graduate from law school. I ran out of money, and it looked like I would never be a lawyer. But the student loan program had just been enacted by Congress, and that enabled me to stand where I now am. My fears about the future were captured in the words of William Butler Yeats in his poem, The Second Coming. He wrote, Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The problems we faced were daunting, but under our democracy, we got through them. The hymn we just sang at this service was, Behold a Broken World. You know better than I the problems of this broken world, and you know that both you and your country must somehow address them. There is much corrosive cynicism today, much polarization, much lack of civility. Some say they have no faith in government to address problems. It would be reasonable for you to ask whether the fact that our democracy has served us so well for so long is any assurance at all that it will lead you to solve the problems that we face. My response is that our democratic form of government and the tools the Constitution gives you provide some of the best ways you have of addressing those problems. And I also answer that if you do not use those tools, including your right to vote, to speak, to organize, in order to assure that your government will be honest, responsive, and relevant, the chances of you coming to solutions are considerably less. You are graduating and being asked to take responsibility for yourself and your own life. But the scope of that responsibility goes beyond yourself to the sort of society in which you live. For my generation, John Kennedy famously asked, ask not what your country could do for you, but what you can do for your country. Your country still needs you, perhaps now more than then. That responsibility means preserving the institutions of your democracy, which are the institutions of government. It also means exercising those freedoms the Constitution has given you. BU students have done this before. 45 years ago, students on this campus used those tools and they changed our country. Defying a state law, a man named William Baird gave a lecture at Boston University to over 2,500 students. His topic was birth control. During the lecture, an unmarried 19-year-old female student accepted from Baird some contraceptive foam. Under state law, married people, but not unmarried people, could legally be given contraception.
Baird was arrested and convicted for violating the state law prohibiting distribution of contraceptives to unmarried people. The penalty he faced was up to five years of imprisonment. The whole event had been del deliberately set up on the BU campus in order to bring a constitutional challenge to that law. And the federal court on which I now sit held that the state law was unconstitutional and ordered Baird release on the great writ of habeas corpus. In 1972, the Supreme Court agreed in a case called Eisenstadt versus Baird, named after the then sheriff and Mr. Baird. And when the story is told, it is most often Bill Baird who is given the credit. But let me shift the perspective. Of all of the college campuses in the Boston area, this took place at BU, and that does not surprise me. BU has always looked to the future. But more than that, credit must be given to the BU students who went to the lecture, and particularly to the unmarried 19-year-old female undergraduate who made the test case possible. Those students wanted to change an unjust law and to expand the protection of individual freedoms. This was no small matter, and it was not merely about contraceptives. The overturning of this state law led to the development of doctrines of constitutionally protected personal privacy, which have reshaped our society. Now, these changes take time. They take great patience and perseverance. But as Dr. King also said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. You have the keys to affect your future and to take steps to be sure the center holds. Take responsibility. Go forward with your intelligence, your education, and with courage. Use these tools and freedoms that our American democracy and its system of laws have given you. I stand before you a federal judge. I'm of the baby boomer generation. We are handing power over to you, the next generations. We give into your hands the safekeeping of our Constitution and our democracy. Please, we ask you, keep them safe and flourishing. Thank you.
Dearly beloved, let us pray. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and eternal. We pray today for our graduates here at Boston University. We give thanks for their achievements. We give praise for their wisdom and understanding. And we ask you to guide them to hear the sound of the genuine in themselves, that they may continue to excel in leadership, scholarship, and service, that they may come alive to lives of fulfillment and joy, and that they may prosper and flourish in their vocations. We pray for the parents, families, and friends of our graduates. We give thanks for their accompaniment to this point. We give praise for their perseverance and dedication. And we ask you to empower them in a new manner of nurture and guidance that our graduates may continue to find nourishment in the traditions and values of their roots, that they themselves may find ongoing joy and satisfaction in the accomplishments of their graduates, and that they may enter into a new manner of relationship in mutuality and partnership. We pray for the faculty, staff, and administrators who have guided this class of graduates throughout their years of study. We give thanks for their leadership, scholarship, teaching, and service. We give praise for their graceful presence and compassionate shepherding. We ask you to empower them to persevere in the ongoing work of forming, informing, and transforming students at Boston University that future classes of graduates may attain to similar and greater heights of achievement as those who graduate today, that they themselves may find ongoing fulfillment in teaching and guiding as sources of inspiration for their scholarship, and that their striving for wisdom and understanding may bear fruit in compassionate service of this community and the world. We pray for the greater Boston University community of students, faculty, staff, and alumni. We give thanks for the greatness of this university has achieved and will achieve to the divine glory. We give praise for the great cloud of witnesses who provided and provide vision for this campus and, com and community of learning, virtue, and piety. And we ask you to inspire our hearts and minds to pursue and attain to even greater knowledge and insight, that the ordering of our society and its affairs may be improved, that justice and mercy might prevail, and that your glory may be known upon earth. We pray for those in our community who have died in the wake of the murder of Kanagala Shashadri Rao, we pray for his family, friends, and the community of the School of Management, and for the perpetrator of this crime. We pray for the family and friends of Daniela Lenkno and the community of the School of Management who mourn her death. We pray for the family and friends of Roch Jaberdi and the community of the College of Arts and Sciences who mourn his death.
We pray for the family and friends of Austin Brashears and the community of the College of Engineering who mourn his death. Grant to them eternal rest, O God, and may light perpetual shine upon them. Grant consolation and peace to those who mourn and guide our community toward healing, wholeness, and reconciliation. In all these things, we fulfill your command, O God, as we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so we offer you all praise and glory this day. Amen.
It is said, blessed is the one who finds wisdom, who gains understanding. For these things are more profitable than silver and yield better returns than gold. And so, on this day of celebration and recognition, may the wisdom we have gained light a path through this world, and may the fruits of our understanding be used for the glorification of God and the good of all humankind.